0: Pastor Chris's podcast. I'm excited today to start a new message series with you about the year of Jubilee in the Bible. This series grew out of uh, uh, some questions that came up during our Thursday morning Bible study um, a few months back, as well as at the same time I was we we were those questions were coming out in our Bible study. I was reading a book and it was talking about the same thing, and I remember at the time. Whenever I have an idea, I write it down, say, all right, at some point um we're gonna do a series on the year of Jubilee. And now is the time. So I'm excited about it. What is the year of Jubilee? I'm glad you asked. In ancient Israel in the Bible, you probably know that they have a Sabbath day. So every seventh day the people were supposed to rest and worship the Lord. No work on the Sabbath day. Most people realize that. And that's actually, did you realize that's where we get the idea of a weekend from? Uh, See, everybody around the world has the the Bible and the Judeo-Christian religion to be thankful for. The fact that we have a weekend. Don't y'all like having a weekend? You have football games and all of that time, time with your family. It all comes through our faith in God and the laws that he gave his people. And we've expanded the Sabbath day to two days, so we have a weekend now. So most people know we have the Sabbath day, rest on the seventh day. But you might not know that they actually had a a Sabbath year as well. Every seventh year, they were supposed to take a year off from farming. Let the land go fallow. Don't do any weeding or tilling or cultivating or anything like that. No fertilization. Just let the land be for a whole year. Even the livestock and the wild animals in Israel got a year off, a year of rest. Wouldn't you like to have a year off every seventh year? That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? I mean, I wonder how that would affect the way we relate to one another and God and enjoy life. God took care of the people. He provided and made sure that they had such a large harvest in the sixth year that would feed them all the way through the seventh year and even all the way up until they made another harvest in the eighth year. So God said, don't worry about it. I'm going to take Care of you. Now, some people would say that is impossible. No society can survive like that. But remember, the Bible also says that God fed the Israelites from the time they left Egypt, wandered through the desert for 40 years before they went into the promised land. There was no farming going on for 40 years. They were walking through the desert, and God provided water for them, and God also fed them manna and quail, right? And, uh, so God took care of them for 40 years. He could certainly do it for a year off for that Sabbath year. So having a a year off every seventh year was amazing and awesome and certainly possible, but it gets even better because that's what brings us to the year of Jubilee. And this comes from Leviticus chapter 25 and verses eight through 13. In addition You must count off seven Sabbath years, seven sets of seven, adding up to 49 years in all. Then on the day of atonement, on the 50th year, blow the ram's horn loud and long throughout the land. Set this year apart as holy, a time to proclaim freedom throughout the land for all who live there. It will be a jubilee year for you when each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors and return to your own clan. This 50th year will be a jubilee for you. During that year, you must not plant your fields or store away any of the the crops that grow on their own, and don't gather the grapes from the unpruned vines. It will be a a jubilee year for you, and you must keep it holy. But you may eat whatever the land produces on its own in the year of Jubilee, each of you may return to the land that belonged to your ancestors. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So the year of Jubilee happened every 50 years in ancient Israel. The name Jubilee comes from the Hebrew word for horn, which was Jobel or Yobel. And it was because on the 50th year, they would announce that this was the Jubilee year by blowing a shofar, which was a ram's horn. Now, why did they blow a ram's horn? Well, first of all, it it was blown on the day of atonement to call people to repentance every year. Repent And atone for your sins. And because of that on the Jubilee year, as they repented and turned, God blessed them by restoring them to a right relationship with him and with all of their neighbors. And they would blow on the ram's horn to call them to repentance because rams were a sacrificial animal. Do you remember the story of Abraham and Isaac? And God told Abraham, you have to take your one and only son. Take him up on the mountain of the Lord and you will sacrifice him there. And because of Abraham's faith, he took Isaac up on the mountain. And just as he was about to sacrifice his son, the angel of the Lord said, stop, don't do it. And look up on the top of the, the hill. And what did he see there? He saw a ram with its horn stuck in the thicket. And that ram became a substitution to take the place of his son, Isaac, and he sacrificed the ram instead. And so the ram has this symbolic meaning of being the sacrifice for us, taking our place. And they blow the ram's horn to call people to repent and to receive the blessings of the Lord. The Jubilee announced rest and release and restoration of an incredible, incredible scope. And, um, think about how they were called to rest now for a whole year, no work, just celebration, celebrating what God has done, enjoying time with your family and living in harmony together because all, all of the conflicts and things that we've had with one another have been washed away and set back. And it was a time of release. Release for captives, because maybe over a span of 50 years, you know, you had a hard time and harvest didn't go the way you wanted to, or you got behind, you got in debt. You know, what is it we're talking about right now? We're talking about everything in the news is about student loan debt forgiveness, right? Well, in Israel, they had a time where all debts were released. And if you had been sold, in, if you'd sold yourself into slavery as a way to, to get by, you were set free. On the 50th year, you were released from that slavery and restored just like you were before. Everything went back to normal. It was like hitting the reset button on your computer. You know, control, alt, delete. And all your memory is started back over and everything goes back to normal. In society, everybody was restored. If you had sold your land in order to pay some bills or some debt that you wanted, your family inheritance... You know, um, it was all returned to you. And it, everything back, went back to the way it was when they entered into the promised land. That was the year of Jubilee. Now, what does this have to do with us, you might ask? Well, according to the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus started his ministry, he preached in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. And the words that he used show us. The greatest jubilee of all times is about to begin. In Luke chapter 4, verses 17 through 19, it says, The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him, and he enrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released And the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free and that the day of the Lord's favor has come. And do you hear the words, the good news words of the Jubilee in that proclamation, the rest and the release and the restoration, the captives are being set free and everything is going to be right and restored to the way it was supposed to be. And Jesus is the lamb of God. And what is a male lamb? Is a ram. And who's making this announcement? Who is the shofar that is blowing the announcement of the year of the Lord's favor? It is Jesus, the ram of God, or the lamb of God. He is the ram horn. And he is announcing that this will be a This will be the time of rest. And remember, what is it that Jesus said? He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take upon yourself my yoke, for it is light and it is easy to bear. And he's proclaiming release, release to the captives. You know, we are all prisoners to sin and prisoners to other things in this life that hold us down and enslave us. And Jesus comes to set us free. And if Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. Amen. And he's come to restore you to a right relationship so that you and your family and your neighbors and we all live together in harmony because all sins have been forgiven. And our relationship with God the Father has been set right as well. And we have no sin breaking our relationship anymore. We can walk in harmony with God because it is the year of the Lord's favor, the jubilee. And if you've not already done so, I would beg you to repent of your sins and hear the call of the ram calling you to the year of the jubilee to rest and to release and to restoration. Turn away from your sins and turn to Jesus today because it will be such a blessing to you. You will never find a, a way of living that is so, so full of peace and so full of power and so full of hope. To become a Christian, you surrender to Jesus You die to your own selfish desires and you proclaim, I am no longer my own, but I am yours, Jesus. And so the Christian embodies what it says in Galatians 2.20, where it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And if you've already died, think about it. If you've already died, what do you have left to lose? Absolutely nothing. What is the absolute worst that could happen? You die. Your physical life on this earth ends. If your life on this earth ends, what happens? You go to be with Christ in heaven forever, where you stand around the glorious throne of, Christ, of God, and you you praise His holy name, and you experience the wonder and the peace and the harmony and the restoration that that, that we all long for and hope for in heaven. If your life on earth ends, you go to be with Jesus in heaven. So to live on earth is good for the kingdom of God because we can be his servants and we can enjoy and learn what he wants us to learn while we're here in this life. But then to die is even better because then we are released and we go home to be with him. And what a glorious homecoming that is. And it's so freeing if you think about it. As a Christian, what have you got to lose? Absolutely nothing. We worry and we have anxiety in this life, even as Christians, only because we haven't fully accepted the freedom that we have in Christ. We've already won. The victory is won. Jesus has won it and you're on his side. So you've already won too. And you're free. Hallelujah. You know, I've been here at at Pleasant Grove for 12 years, which is amazing. It went by, has gone by so fast. I kind of knew that being here was going to be a long-term thing. I just had that feeling. So even after I'd been here for five years, I didn't even think about the fact that it had been five years. I mean, it's been 12 now, and it really seems like it's only been five, but it's been a while. And the more I think about it, it, it brings up thoughts in my mind that, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. I mean, not that I don't want to. I mean, I like it here, but I know that you know it won't be forever. How long I have left at Pleasant Grove, I don't know. I don't know. And I've told you before, I mean, Abigail, she's she'll be done with high school in 2025. Class of 2025. So, I really don't have a desire to leave before that, but if only it's it's your will. Only if the church wants me here and feels like I'm the right guy for the job. You know, as I look at it and think about it, I say, why? You know, I've got a lot of reasons to stay. I, I feel like I still have many things important to do here at Pleasant Grove. We're working through this affiliation right now. That's something that's going to take at least a, a year. So you know, I know about our conference. You know me, I know you. It seems logical that uh, I would stay here through that. After that, then there's, there's the thought about, all right, either joining a new affiliation or uh, being independent. That also is gonna take some work and some time. So, um, I don't know. Either way, though, we have a lot of work to do. And in the time that I have left, here at Pleasant Grove, whatever amount of time that is, I feel more and more like I have nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose. Why not go for broke, you know? If if I'm only here for another year, great. I'll do all that I can do in Christ's will to to lead this church forward. If it's three years or whatever it is, I will go for it. My number one concern here at Pleasant Grove always has been and always will be what is right for the kingdom of God. Whatever I do, it will be for the Lord. I love you and I'm always going to do what's best for you as a church here. It's not about me. It's never been about me and it never will be. I mean, look. I went through school to be an engineer. And if I'd have stayed as an engineer, I'd be making three times what I'm making now. No problem. But I'd, God called me into the ministry. And so I went into the ministry. I said, that's what you want me to do. It's all for you. I'll lay all that other stuff aside and I'm going for it. It's not about me. It's about trying to follow God's calling for my life. And so that's what I'm doing. Ultimately, it's all about what God wants for his kingdom. And so that's always what I'm working for. And everything else is expendable. Chief among the expendable things is me. I take the Bible serious when it says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's me. Or at least that's what I try. I'm human, and so I may get off track. But that is what is in my heart. My faith says, even if I lose my life for the sake of Christ, Jesus will raise me to new life. And that applies to my ministry here with you. So I have nothing to lose. My role here at Pleasant Grove is to be a shepherd to try to lead you in the right direction. It's not about what I want, it's what's best for you and what's best for the kingdom of God. If I see a cliff around a corner that I feel like might be dangerous for the flock and I'll try to guide you in another direction, but you know, sheep have a mind of their own. That's fine. I can, all I can do is do my best. If wolves come and try, you know, whether they're wolves from the the conference or whatever, they try to come and, and scatter the flock I'm the shepherd. I'll do what I can to defend. I'm not one that's going to try to run off. My job is to be the shepherd. And all along the way, I'll be your biggest cheerleader because I believe Pleasant Grove is the best church in this whole community. And I want everybody to come experience God's grace and love that we enjoy here together. So my thinking is, let's go for broke. Let's give it all we've got for the kingdom of God. What do we have to lose? And I want to tell you, it's amazingly freeing when you feel like you don't have anything to lose. What do you have to lose? Are you still, do you still feel like You've got a lot to lose. You feel, still feel like you're trying to cling to your life. Jesus said, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. Those weren't just words. As Tom is uncovering the, the elements of Holy Communion today, These elements remind us that when Jesus said that, he meant it and he lived it. He gave up his life for us. And because he did, look at who we can be today. If you cling to your life and the things in your life because you think they are yours And you've got to protect them, you're gonna lose them. If you cling to your relationships, if you cling to your children, come on, empty nesters. If you cling to your possessions, if you cling to your dreams, you will lose them. You will stress yourself out, you will worry yourself to death. You will sacrifice things you should never sacrifice. You will cause heartache and disappointment in your own life, in the lives of others. And at the end of it all, you lose it anyway. The alternative is to give it all to God through Christ. To die to yourself and trust in Jesus to raise you to a new kind of living. It is to live In the year of the jubilee, where there is rest for your weary soul, where there is release from anything that enslaves you, where there's restoration of a new and perfect relationship with God and your fellow man. Don't you want that kind of peace and freedom in your life where you know I have nothing to lose. I've already won. As we take Holy Communion today, remember what Christ has done to win that victory for you already and receive the strength and nourishment that he offers you today in this sacrament so that you can truly live it. On the night that he gave himself up for us, Christ took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body is given for you. And then after the meal, he took the cup. He raised it to heaven and he asked the Lord to bless it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take from this, drink it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many. For the forgiveness of sins. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for sending Christ to be our Lamb, to be the sacrifice that atones for our sins and opens up this great year of Jubilee, this time of rest and release and restoration. Help us, O Lord, to answer the call to repentance and to turn to you and to give it all to you and to trust in you through Jesus Christ so that we can have forgiveness of sins and the hope of eternal life, to know that we have nothing to lose because you have already won it all. And as we gather around your table today, pour out your Holy Spirit on this bread and this wine that the bread might be for us the body of Christ, and that the wine might be his blood and pour out your Holy Spirit on us that we might be the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.